You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. <laughs> It seems we all have a lot going on right now. Doug is still trying to figure out technology problems. He's got a, a world of technology in just that room alone. It's crazy. I could never do what he does. And he's trying to figure out how to make all of this work. Uh, our guest today, Jonathan DeLong. You know you know him by DeLong Division. Site manager. That's what we decided to call him. Site manager of At The Hive. He's got a lot going on. He's got animals galore in his room. We've got Toby <laughs> the Cat on top of the couch, which I'm a big fan of. I want Toby to be a part of the show. And guys, I tried to bust my ass getting here because I one I wanted to I stopped by Wendy's to get some lunch. I only had like a 15 minute break, so I needed to stop by Wendy's, get some lunch, and I was such in a hurry to get back to record with you guys. I did the thing where I get my food, but I didn't get my drink, and by the time I hit 277, I forgot my sprite, and I'm pissed about it, man. Oh <laughs> forgot my sprite. sprite. I got I got the chicken sandwich. I went chili instead of fries today. And I got a junior bacon cheeseburger because they're the best. Oh, double and entree. I was going to wash it all down with a Sprite, and it, I missed it. It, it kind of like, ruins your meal if you don't have the drink to wash it all down with. It, it does ruin it. Now, the question is, at what point is it too far to go back? I mean, once you're, once you're out of the parking lot, do you just call it quits? I mean, because essentially it was a part of the combo. So it's like probably like what 50 cents, something like that. I mean, it just, once I was out of the parking lot, I wasn't going to go back, but I did really want it. Now when you, the, the rule is when you lose a light, a line of sight of the restaurant, that's when you don't go back. If you can still see the restaurant in some way, even through your rear view mirror, then you, you go back. If not, you go on. Come on. This is, All right, I feel good about it. I didn't see it. I, so I just kept on going. I really thought about it though. I wanted to go back, but I was already, again, I had to get on 277. It was the one in Midtown. And that one's usually packed anyway. So I wasn't going to go back and do it. But my day is ruined. Hopefully you guys can make it better. This is the Locked on Hornets podcast presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can find myself on Twitter at Walker Mail. Doug on Twitter at Doug Branson, L-O-H. Jonathan, where, where's your tw- uh, Twitter handle? At John DeLong42, and that's John with no H. So J-O-N-D-E-L-O-N-G-4-2. Lose the right, H. There you go. No H. No H. Unnecessary letter. <laughs> Site manager of At The Hive joining us, Jonathan DeLong, DeLong Division. We did DeLong multiplication one time. We enjoy having him around, and uh, hopefully we can have him pretty frequently this season. Uh, Jonathan, let's get right into the preseason. They played their last game last night against the Detroit Pistons, and let's start off, I guess, with the latest storyline. Latest storyline is Malik Monk actually having a really good game on offense. Doug will be quick to point out, as we saw on Twitter last <laughs> night. Defensively, Taking all my talking points out. before I can even get into them. Jeez, all right. <laughs> no. I know where you're going. Look, Malik Monk has a great game. He deserves to be talked about in a glowing way just for that game alone. And you're like, well, he's also not rushing out on shooters. Yes, we understand he's not rushing out on his closeouts. What did you make of the Malik Monk performance last night, Jonathan? My my first response is a question. Do you think that's the best game he's played as a Hornet, like preseason or otherwise? Look, I, I said I was actually texting Nada last night. I'm going to say yes, because if, if you go just with the Milwaukee quarters, right, where he blows yeah. up, he's had a couple of quarters against Milwaukee where he catches fire, he strings a few buckets together, and it actually helps them win the game. It, that's probably the right answer because it has such a big impact in a regular season game that they win against a good team. But as far as being controlled, playing basketball, that it looks sustainable, right? Like he's not going to get seven assists in a first half again. I'm not saying that. I'm saying 
it, it's not like he shot some crazy field goal percentage. It's not like he hits five three pointers in a quarter. You know, I, I think he can continue. I'm hoping at least that he can continue to be controlled like that. And he's always been a good passer. He just hasn't showcased it in that way. And so, yeah, I, I think it deserves to be in the conversation. Yeah, sustainable is the big word to me because, like you said, though, the games against the Bucks and the Knicks and stuff where he had those big quarters, it was like he caught fire from three taking bad shots. Like he's not going to be able to sustain that over any length of time. But last night was all about he was under control. He made good decisions. The shot he took, the shots he took were mostly good shots, and he, he actually kind of looked a little stronger, like around the in the paint, around the basket and stuff Absolutely. like that. So I, I, if he could play like that, he might actually be worth where we took him. All right, Doug. Now come in with the negativity. What what did he do wrong, Doug? Well, he was creating offense for himself and others using his speed. What what I would like to see is him creating offense, him having created offense for him by knocking down open shots and having other people distribute the basketball to him. I think long term his career, he's got to be a shot maker. I don't, I don't, I just don't see a Malik Monk successful career that's around you know a, a double digit scoring night and and seven eight assists a game. I mean maybe maybe that was the dream that Clifford had for him when he was trying to force him into the point guard position. But I, to me, seven assists, seven, eight assists for Malik Monk is not sustainable. I don't think that he's going to look look at others like that and have those same opportunities night in and night out. I mean, this was a depleted Detroit Pistons team that wasn't playing a lot of their starters, and and, and that rippled down through through their rotations. So you know, I, I just want to see Malik Monk, op, uh, you know, knock down open shots. Well, I mean, he he did right. I mean, he did <laughs> knock down open shots. So, okay, someone- let's do do it again. Right. Well, do, it in, do it in the regular well, that's season. Be the caveat. Do it in the regular well, that, season, right, Walker. Right, do it right. Wouldn't be a championship. Season. Then There's we'll a talk. Big old PRE <laughs> next to the word season in right. this performance. Hundred percent. You're right. PJ Washington. I haven't even seen him play a game yet. Who is this guy? <laughs> Only preseason games. What? He's been fantastic. <laughs> I'm going to tell you Not that sure. right now. <laughs> He's not a real player though, because he hasn't played a real game yet. I, I bet he has. Thank you, Jonathan. Uh, let's go to PJ Washington because he really has looked really good. Uh, I don't know if Doug has seen him play because P- preseason is non-existent. <laughs> PJ Washington, though, look, he's been impressive. And this was another draft pick that was considered redundant. Uh, also by me, I said it as well with the Miles Bridges pick just the year prior to that. But PJ has come in and looked really good. And you talk about controlled. It looks like someone that lets the offense come to him. And it looks like a guy that can defend the pick and roll pretty well. I, I like seeing him at five, I think, in some smaller lineups. What do you think about the way PJ's played? Yeah, I was one of what felt like a very few amount of people that were like high on PJ Washington when the Hornets came. It, it took me to convince it took me a little bit of time to convince myself, but I bought in pretty quickly. And he's gone above even my expectations. Like you said, he's just so controlled and he hasn't really done anything wrong. Like he's missed a couple rotations, but that's understandable. He's learning a whole new defense and rule book in the NBA and stuff. But like he shot well, he's passed well, he's defended well. And he's just the instinctual he plays, he makes on both sides of the ball are way beyond what you'd expect from somebody who's what, 20 years old, 21 years old in his first NBA season. And he didn't even play in the summer league. No, I think that's impressive, right? Because we saw Malik Monk not play in summer league and it. Who knows if that really held him back, but it certainly wasn't good to come into his rookie season. And we know that he's been injured in the offseason before where summer league, he didn't get anything going right. And then eventually he would come out and he just wouldn't have the year that you wanted. Miles Bridges, you know, I, I thought he got better in his debut summer league in his rookie year. 
Um, and then you would see him kind of do well. Like you're right. I mean, he, he was impressive. Uh, PJ Washington was impressive scoring double digits in every single one of these games shot extremely well from long range, which you have to expect the three point percentage to go down when you take a step back going to NBA range. And in preseason, he caught fire just like, I mean, it's almost like they scooted the line in a little bit going to the NBA. You know, Doug, I know you want PJ Washington to start, uh, I mean, and you like you like the way that that feels with what we saw in the previous preseason game. You know, what did you think of PJ Washington's uh, preseason finale against the Pistons? Yeah, I think he's been fantastic offensively. I think defensively, he's made some plays that cause turnovers, and then you know he gets caught out of position against Markeith Morris a few times. Drummond took advantage of him on the boards yeah. uh, when he was playing small ball center versus Drummond. So there are going to be those problems for PJ Washington. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's aggressive. He knows where he wants to be offensively. He looks like he's picking up a similar offensive role to Miles Bridges last season. And it kind of makes me wonder if having both PJ Washington and Miles Bridges in the same starting lineup is not going to work really well. And, 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 and well, that's the question we've had, right? Like, that's what we were all worried about. Yeah, and it's, I mean, I didn't see, a, you know, we, we talked about on the previous show, Miles Bridges needing a big game uh, in this final preseason uh, effort to, to kind of guide him into the regular season. And he didn't really get that. He knocked down that first three point attempt and then sort of disappeared for the rest of the game. I'd be interested in Jonathan's thoughts on Miles Bridges this preseason and if maybe, you know, he, he's vulnerable to leaving the starting lineup. I don't think I'm there yet, and I'm a big Miles Bridges guy, but I need to see a bigger sample size because all of his issues in the preseason were making shots, which is important, but more so than anything else in basketball, that comes and goes. Like, that ebbs and flows a lot. So I need to see more to know if that's an issue with him just struggling to find himself on offense or if it was just a couple cold shooting games because I thought he got good looks for himself and I thought he played well otherwise. And I think that Washington and Bridges can both play together because Washington play four or five Bridges plays three, four, you can slide them up and down and they can still, I think they complement each other because of their versatile skill sets. All right. I want to get Jonathan's thoughts on Dwayne Bacon, what he did this preseason. Cody Zeller seems like he might have a new role shooting the three point ball a little bit more and Devonte Graham making some shots in the last couple of preseason games. Indochino is the world's largest made to measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off of your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering locked on at checkout. That's locked on all one word L O C K E D O N locked on at checkout of Indochino.com up next it's all about Devonte graham Dwayne bacon and cody zeller on the locked on hornets podcast this is locked on hornets so if you don't believe in the moon landing mm-hmm. then what would you say is the greatest human achievement i think the greatest achievement of all time and i think it's vince carter doing 360s clockwise it's rather really than tough counterclockwise. i've tried it it's really tough it's time for more of the locked on hornets podcast
I think one of the things I wanted to see most was Devontae Graham be a shot maker. And look, his role is going to be completely different with this team than just being the shot maker that he was at Kansas and being a go-to scorer. But I wanted him I wanted him to shoot a lot better from the field and long range than he did in his rookie season. I think you saw that in the previous game here against the Pistons. He goes six of eight, only one three-pointer out of the three that he took. But still, I'll take the six of eight that he shot from the field. So 13 points in this game. Also distributed a little bit with four assists, had a couple steals as well, and five turnovers, not great. Want to cut down on the turnovers, but I wanted to see Devontae hit shots, and that's what he did. What did you make of Devontae Graham's overall preseason performance, Jonathan? I loved it because I had the same thing as you. I wanted to see him make shots because I thought last year even he was the best passer on the team, even with Kimball Walker and everybody. So he really, to be like a real NBA player, he needed to show that he could put the ball in the basket and it's not just that he's made shots. It's the shots he's making. Like he's made tough threes. He's made like fadeaways off the dribble. He's shooting confidently and he's getting to the point where it's like, he shoots it. I expect it to go in. And I think that's exactly what he needed to do. Um, I've referenced your Dwayne Bacon summer league take a couple of times. Cause I thought it was different. I, I think mm-hmm. you referenced, you know, primacy bias as the reason we kind of all left summer league thinking Dwayne Bacon performed pretty well. It was the first game. And then we all kind of just took that as what it was for the entirety. And in reality, he Mm -hmm. didn't shoot that well. You know, there were some bad shooting performances for Dwayne in preseason. And I feel like he's missed a lot of bunnies. He's gone to the lane. He's been aggressive and there's been a lot of shots at the rim that he's missed. You look at this game, he goes three of 10 against the Pistons, not a good field goal percentage for him. You know, goes Oh, a four from three point range in this game is that's something that you want to see from him as shot making as well or, or what do you want to see from Dwayne yeah he 38 percent from the field and 21 percent from three in the preseason I, that's not good um I think those will come up I just I don't like how he plays and it's the same thing I talked about in the summer league I he doesn't pass well enough to to open himself up and I think that's part of why he struggled so much from the field in the preseason was because he was taking these tough shots with like three NBA defenders around him at the basket. And I don't think that's sustainable going long-term. The one thing that I wrote down in my notebook uh, is uh, Bridges and Bacon both right now and for the past few games have been playing out of control. Yeah. I mean, that's sure. the, that's the what the, the phrase that just keeps coming up in my mind out of control. It does. And I and I sort of counterpose that with how I feel like Devontae Graham has been playing, which I, it just seems like he's in control of his dribble of where he wants to be with the ball, where he wants the ball to go. And, and you've seen him have success. Also, this is crazy. Devontae Graham this preseason averaging almost four rebounds per game. He's like 12, four and four. You know, you, you, when Kimba Walker left and then uh, Jeremy Lamb left as well, you know, so there were this big question mark, like where is the scoring going to, to come from uh, and, and how do they make up that gap? And I, and I think Devontae Graham is helping to answer that question a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I think the thing with Bacon, like you said, with out of control, he has one speed. It's like we saw from Kimba when he was a young player, when he had his issues struggling um, around the basket. He's real crafty once he gets in the air about finding angles and like with his touch off the glass and stuff like that. But from the three-point line to the basket, Bacon and Bridges at this point to go full speed. And it gets them in bad spots where they end up shooting these like fallaway runners and awkward shots with in traffic because they have nowhere else to go. And they've already committed to shooting before they've seen whether or not it's available to them. When you look at 
when we talked about Dwayne Bacon and Miles Bridges being out of control, I, to me, Miles Bridges, I want to go back to him a little bit. We've talked about putting more responsibility on his shoulders because Kemba's gone, because Jeremy Lamb is gone. Yeah, I mean, this is a, a young basketball team, and it would be, you know, it, it would make sense that you want your first round selection to put a little bit more responsibility on himself and the coaching staff to put a little bit more responsibility with miles. And you wonder if that is going to hinder him uh, and, and showcase some of that first round ability that we want to see, right? Like we want to see him take a little bit more and it just seems like that happened and he wasn't successful at doing that here. Do you think that more responsibility kind of hinders the development this year? Or what do you think about Miles Bridges maybe being a bigger part of the offense, usage rate going a little bit farther up and things like that? I think it's good for him as a facilitator. And Borrego talked about that a little bit in the offseason, where I think Miles Bridges is a better facilitator than he showed last year and a better passer than he showed last year. I think he can really show that this year with the way the team is supposed to move the ball and where the scoring is going to have to come from a bunch of different places. I don't know if he's ready to take on an added scoring burden, though. Because I don't know if he's controlled enough, and I don't think his handle is tight enough to navigate tight spaces and stuff. I think he's still going to be limited to a spot-up shooter and a garbage bucket getter. So far this preseason, he has not. I have not seen the the level of facilitation that you would need to sort of define yourself in that way. And I also haven't seen the scoring. I mean, I, to me, Miles Bridges more than anyone has been affected by the sudden rise of PJ Washington, even even more so than Nick Batum, who may get kicked out of the starting lineup because of the the Achilles injury that's kept him out of preseason and and resulted in PJ Washington starting. I just I don't see what does Miles Bridges do in, in that starting lineup. What is his role? I feel like he's looked at PJ Washington and said, "Hey, hey, he's taking all the things that I used to do. Those are the things that I was supposed to do." <laughs> I think he could defend. He still has his lapses and stuff like that, but I think Borrego sees him as the guy to be the go-to defender on this team long-term. And he showed glimpses of that. He's had a few possessions this preseason where he's completely clamped down on, on guys in isolation situations. There's a couple like on Ben Simmons and stuff against Philadelphia where Simmons could not get around him. And Simmons usually doesn't have those kind of problems with people. Um, Cody Zeller ha- has shot a lot of three pointers in this preseason. Actually, made one a last night. He's missed a lot. He's missed a lot. I think he's made what did he make two this preseason? He made one against Detroit last night. Uh, looked different, right? Actually, had a good shooting night after the first few games. He did. He did not have any good shooting night. Uh, what do you make of Cody Zeller's new role? What do you think that is for him? And if that's something you can expect to see in the regular season? I hope it stays in the regular season because didn't I don't remember the preseason stats last year, but I feel like he shot a bunch of threes last preseason too, and he missed a bunch. And then they were just like, all right, we're going to scrap that. But um, I hope he keeps it up because if he can hit enough to where opposing centers like Andre Drummond last night, when he hit his three, Andre Drummond was standing at the free throw line, letting him shoot it. And if Cody Zeller can hit enough to where other centers can't do that, that'll go a long way to making this offense actually function. Yeah, last so, last season in the preseason, he attempted one per game, which is a dramatic jump when you consider he normally attempts zero per game. Uh, but this preseason, he's attempting two point two. So yeah, dramatic another dramatic jump for Cody Zeller <laughs> as he tries to extend his range. But hasn't he seen even more than the three point shooting, Jonathan? It just seems like Cody Zeller is much more aggressive offensively, looking for his own shot after spending so many years 
you know, he's he's always leading the league in screen assists, which yeah. is the ultimate like you're not <laughs> scoring, buddy. You got to help other mm-hmm. people score. It just looks like he is is much more uh, aggressive and and finding his own shot. The offense is kind of like running through him, isn't it? <laughs> That's not but good. For, but for real though, like every you know, there's a lot of possessions start with whoever brings the ball up the court. They get it to Cody at the top of the key, and he's you know, been given the task to either attack off the dribble or, or facilitate from there. And for better or worse, it seems like that's what we're going to go with this year. All right, last question before we get you out of here, Jonathan. 15th spot, the position everybody cares about. Who are you giving it to between guys like Caleb Martin, Kobe Simmons? What guy do you think gets it? I think it's got to go to Caleb Martin. For one, he's. Pl- I thought he played relatively well, especially after the first game where I thought he didn't look like he belonged on the court at all. And then James Borrego seems to like him. He's been like the second or third sub off the bench pretty much every game, I think, since the first couple. So I think he gets it. Plus, he's exciting trying to dunk on people from the free throw line. <sighs> that was crazy. Uh, <laughs> so, Doug, did he move because of that lone move, Doug? Did he go from a jelly to a jam last night, or was he still a jelly for the preseason? I won't say that it was that particular play, but he did move into my jams list again. He got okay. off the jelly <laughs> list. It's a fine he's, line. He, yeah, I know. I, well, the fine line is preserves. And he he moved way past <laughs> preserves. Now he's back mm-hmm. in the jams list. And I'll tell you why. Because right now, I feel like this team has an an offensive identity. They're going to attack the rim ferociously. I, I mean, you know, if they're trying to set up some things, you know, kick it out, find open shooters, get three-point shots as well. But more than anything, you've just seen Dwayne Bacon, Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington, Terry Rozier all just attack the rim over and over again. That's the offensive identity. And Caleb Martin, A, fits perfectly with that, uh, how aggressive he plays, but also on the defensive end. That's where they haven't established their identity yet. And I feel like Caleb Martin has been very aggressive on that end, too. I think that's why Borrego likes him. He's a rookie. He's going to make mistakes. There are issues. But he has, I think, the right mentality uh, to help establish Borrego, uh, set up the... We we all talk about... There's four pillars. The four pillars. (laughs) You were looking for it. You were looking for it the entire time. I hit the wrong button, too. I knew what you were going for. I was so for, excited so about it. I hit the wrong button. Yeah, I'm so glad that didn't come out smoothly. I'm happy about that. That goes <laughs> to show pillars. you don't bring up the four pillars anymore. That was Jonathan DeLong of At The Hive, site manager of At The Hive. That was also his cat that joined in on the party. We appreciate Toby joining us today. Jonathan, we always appreciate Toby it. D. Thank you so much, man. We look forward to doing it again. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, again, once again, Jonathan DeLong, uh, site manager of At The Hive. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with plenty more here on the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. But what he showed in Summer League, comma, a Euro step into a windmill during a game, end of comma, oh, could yeah. put him on the radar of a radar, excuse <laughs> a radar. Me, of all NBA. Yeah, on the radar. On the radar <laughs> of all NBA fans as a nightly highlight producer. Yeah, you're Charlotte, you're Charlotte coming out there. Yeah, I'm from come from uh, Catawba County. Get so, them on the Raider. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. You know, I haven't heard anybody accidentally pronounce radar as Raider, and of course, I did it. And then we had John Hayes of the Athletic who used to be a producer of the Paul Feinbaum show. We have him on weekly on the Wake Up Call, and last week, no lie, <laughs> John Hayes said Raider. He did. He ran That's into great. a Raider. You're a trendsetter. <laughs> I didn't or know. a virus spreader. I can't figure uh, out which. 
I'm going to go with the latter. I'm going to go with the latter. I don't know what he was even talking about because that's all I took notice of was the fact that something was on the Raider, on his particular Raider. Now, he fixed it. Nobody corrected him, but that's what you like to do. You like to correct me anytime that happens. Uh, And we got a soundbite out. Well, if there's one thing that I love, it's accuracy. Mm -hmm. I'm all about it. I'm all about getting it right and not contradicting myself. Yeah, no, you're 100% correct on that. Uh, Segment three. You have a quote here, Doug. That okay, you put yeah, my, right this now. is my bad. I'm, I'm What's just going gonna, on here? Yeah, no, I just put some yeah. words in the rundown, and I didn't, <laughs> I didn't give you any context. It's been a long day, man. Well, and it would be cool. Here's the thing, right? Like, it's not, it's not that bad if we would talk about it before the segment, right? But we're getting Jonathan out of the show, you know, just saying, hey, goodbye, see you later, thanks for everything you contributed today, and then Doug immediately goes into a soundbite and. I need to pull this up and I don't even know what this quote is. Like, I really, I have no clue what this is about. And so this is the point where I give it to you, Doug, and you're now the host and you have to go ahead and just bring people up to speed on what the hell we're talking about. Well, let me just say thank you again to Jonathan DeLong of At The Hive. He's going to actually join us every Thursday. So if you like his analysis, if you like reading him on At The Hive and you like his cat, Toby, uh, join us each Thursday for uh, another attack uh, of Jonathan DeLong. And also I want to say that my play of the game from that uh, game against the Detroit Pistons, Caleb Martin chased down block. Again, I'm telling you, energy, identity, they're trying to establish it on the defensive end. Caleb Martin gets that chase down block on former Hornet uh, Christian Wood. That leads to a break. Monk gets it up on the rim, uh, and then P.J. Washington trailing, pulls a yammy, gets that second chance point. That was mine. Pulls a yammy? Pulls a uh, yammy. But it's not a hammy, yeah. Not, uh, uh, we'll, we'll always... You you mentioned that by the way we've got we got through the entire preseason without an injury I think the Hornets fans should be happy about that I mean you Knock know Nick wood. well Nick Batum had the Achilles soreness that seemed to really be rooted before the preseason so but really no major injuries for the young players that's a big positive okay you mentioned uh, okay go ahead I'm go sorry ahead. no no go ahead. <laughs> No, I mean you. You give me you give me the host chair. Now you're going to snatch it away. I was going to, but then I wanted to say so. Yeah, now I interrupted you. Right, this is how we do. The roles are reversed here. Now I'm interrupting you. I was just going to say you mentioned Christian Wood. Mm -hmm. We'll always have the Clippers game, right? We'll always have Mm -hmm. Clippers Christian Wood, where he actually I think he goes for like 17 points, something like that. I don't know. It was a really good game. That's all I wanted to say was just take a little trip down memory lane and remember the good times of Christian Wood being in a Hornets uniform. That's all I wanted to do. Go ahead. Whatever quote this is, let us know. All right, so this quote is from James Borrego. I picked this up on the uh, the pregame. This was a pregame quote. Someone asked him about playing higher pace, and I thought he had some really interesting thoughts on the Hornets getting faster, becoming a higher pace team. So here it is: "Quote, it's a little uncomfortable. I didn't growing. I didn't grow up playing this pace or this style, but that's the direction of our league, our roster." Possessions are going up more and more every single year. I don't know where we're at in the preseason. We're not as high as I'd like to be, but at our current pace, we could have been number one or number two in the NBA last season at this pace. Borrego goes on to say, when I say pace, it's really pressure on the defense. Instead of letting the defense get set for 16 seconds, I want the defense to play at 21. Last year, we had success in our shot selection and our effective field goal percentage in that early pace We just didn't do it enough. The NBA is a long game. Can you continue to play it that way? Pace for 48 minutes. 
That is the challenge last year. I'm not sure we had the personnel to continue to play that way. We were good in stretches, but not the full 48 minutes, unquote. So that's a lot there to throw at you, Walker, but some really interesting thoughts about why they didn't play at a higher pace last season, why they are playing at a higher pace this season, and the NBA as a whole is just going supersonic in terms of how fast they're playing and really requires a different kind of player, a, a more fit player, a, a player that's able to play this type of game. You, you talk about Carmelo Anthony's defense all you want. I think the reason he's not in the league right now is because he can't play this supersonic pace. It's just It requires a different kind of physicality uh, that, that I don't think that older players are equipped with. I think I made that Clippers thing up, by the way. I'm looking at his game log, and I think that the 14 points that Christian Wood got was really against the Orlando Magic, Ugh. and that was in 2016-2017, and then 2015-2016 when he was with the Hornets. Oh, and th- no, this wouldn't even Philadelphia. That I, I made that up. I think the best game he had was against Orlando. My apologies on saying that he had a good game that will always have a Clippers memory. I made it up. I apologize for that. What do you think really about pace? against Orlando? Oh, pace. No. Yeah, man. <laughs> Fast boy. I'll tell you that basketball these days, NBA, they are moving. Carmelo Anthony couldn't do anything out there in this pace. I'm with you. I don't think so. And I think it's interesting <laughs> that he says that they didn't have the roster last season. And I wonder is, is that, well, we weren't playing the young players as much or some of the players that we were playing, maybe like Marvin Williams, some of the old vets uh, could not have sustained 48 minutes of this type of pace. Or was it, we had Kimball Walker Kimball Walker didn't really want to play that pace or we were just better if we didn't play that pace because when you run Kimball Walker in the half court, you actually get some advantages there because of how he operates uh, out of out of pick and roll, pulling up from the three-point line or getting in there and causing havoc around the rim. Uh, it's just, just interesting to me that last year they couldn't do it. This year he feels like they might be able to do it if they can sustain it for 48 minutes because if you can't sustain it, then you just end up in the fourth quarter with a bunch of tired guys uh, they can't execute the offense. No, those are excellent points. I appreciate the analysis from you today, Doug and Jonathan DeLong, who joined us again, site manager of At The Hive. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Hornets. We'll be back with you tomorrow to finish out the week. do, 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 do.